Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live recap here on Dime Dropper for the 2022-23 season. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe on Dime Dropper on YouTube. Hit the notification bell so you know every time I go live or post a video. And of course, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but also follow me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. But let's get right into it. We got two games for each LA team to talk about this weekend, Clippers against the Portland Trailblazers tonight. Lost to the Orlando Magic yesterday on Saturday afternoon. I was not there, as you know, because you didn't get a vlog. And then the Lakers beating the Magic tonight and losing in a heartbreaker on Friday against the Dallas Mavericks. So, Super Chats are turned on. If you want to drop a dollar or a dime, we are live on all platforms. Even on Twitter. I even got my Twitter to be... Uh, part of the live like connected to my stream yard so appreciate everybody tuning in right now let me just get my little banner up where's my banner there we go all right let's move let's start with clippers and the blazers tonight so the portland trailblazers are starting to look like they are not going to make the play-in i had them at 10th before the season if you recall and you go check my preseason predictions but i had the sacramento kings in 11th so we obviously know the Kings are going to make it. So that means that if everyone else makes it, that means New Orleans included. That means that the Portland Trailblazers will be my 11th team now pushed out. So the Blazers are probably not going to make the playoffs. They really just don't have the depth for me. They have four guys that have averaged double-figure points this season with Yusuf Nurkic, Damian Lillard, and Fernie Simons, and Jeremy Grant. And outside of Jeremy Grant, who ironically was has been out for three straight games now, Every, he's been the only starter that's missed less than 10 games. All the other ones have missed 10-plus games. And when you don't really have the depth and you trade a guy like Josh Hart and bring in Matisse Tybel, who is not as good as Josh Hart, then, I mean, it's going to be tough to win in the NBA. And in this Western Conference where you got a lot of good teams, a lot of teams that are just straight-up better than the Portland Trailblazers. And even though Damian Lillard has had arguably, I mean, I, want, I don't want to say the best season of his career because he's not on a winning team. But statistically speaking, he's arguably had the best season of his career. He's been career highs in several categories, including points coming off the season that he's had. So amazing individual season for Dame, but he's part of this, the fourth worst defense in the NBA. And that's ultimately why the Blazers aren't a good team, the depth and the defense. You know, Shadon Sharp, he's got good potential. Uh, Cam Reddish, maybe he'll finally get an opportunity here in Portland. He did not get one in New York or Atlanta, but... The Portland Trailblazers aren't deep enough and they don't play enough defense to make the playoffs or even the play-in right now. And what's, you know, in terms of really great teams, not a good Western Conference, but in terms of good teams, a loaded West with a lot of teams that are very solid, have at least one star, and you're not going to just walk in and get an easy win against anybody, but you never know. Today's NBA, a lot of teams, they'll sell games defensively and just take games off. But the Portland Trailblazers have the fourth worst defense in the NBA, the eighth best offense. They've lost five straight games heading into this game. I think I may have said four in the beginning, but it's actually been five straight games. They've had no Jeremy Grant for a week. So you got to win the game if you're the Clippers. You know, you're coming off a game against Orlando where I just think that the Clippers totally underestimated them. It was one of those 12 o'clock starts, but that's no excuse. And as Clipper fans, we need to stop talking about, oh, it was an early start because here's the thing. 
there are early starts in the playoffs. There have been since the beginning of basketball in the NBA. In my whole life, there's been 12-30 Sunday games and all that shit. I've attended one. Game four against the Thunder where we came back from 25 down or whatever it was, 24 down, was a Sunday afternoon 12-30 game. So these are lame-ass excuses for a group of guys that call themselves championship contenders. So I don't want to hear that bullshit anymore. And you know what's funny? Brian Seaman on the broadcast said it. And when Brian is saying it, and he's the play-by-play guy, and he's one of the best guys in the league at not being biased, that's when you know. And he was—he sounded frustrated with that. He said, "We got to stop that." He—he uh, he gets it. He's tired of it. So, yes. By the way, I see some comments. Aid the Mubarak. Aid Mubarak. Aid the Nooruz Mubarak. To all my Iranians out there, Happy New Year. Um. Hope you got some good stuff. Spend some quality time with the fam and whatnot. But the Clippers underestimated Orlando, and Paul George had six turnovers in the first half. Six turnovers in the first half. Russell Westbrook, I mean, a good, another good first half, but a bad second half. And we've, and we've seen that from Russell Westbrook with the Clippers so far. Bad second halves after a really good first half. Man, my eyes are watering after those coughs. The problem is my throat gets so dry and I just keep talking. It's much easier with a partner, I might say. But anyway, Clippers did not have the defensive intensity in the Orlando game that they had in the Toronto game, in the New York game, in the Warriors game. Their, their rotations were slow. Their on-ball defense at the point of attack was terrible. And Markel Fultz, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., and Cole Anthony were pretty fantastic in that game on Saturday afternoon. Obviously, no Kawhi Leonard, but Paul George should be able to get the job done, and he played much better in the second half. But another classic game where Marcus Morris played too much, and I said it on Locked On Clippers. When Marcus Morris starts, he's basically guaranteeing two stints in the ballgame, whereas Terrence Mann, Robert Covington, who was awesome, by the way. Robert Covington was awesome in his first game since that Kings game. And the... And Marcus Morris, you know, he gets those two stints because he starts. So my, my, I always say it doesn't matter who uh, starts. It matters who finishes. But that's not fully true because when you get two stints in the game as opposed to one when there's clearly a more deserving player or players, then it hurts the team. But anyway, you didn't have that much time to think about that loss against the Magic. And mind you, it is a bad loss. It was a terrible loss. We got to be winning those games. No excuses. Eric Gordon didn't have a very good game. Marcus Morris had a better second half, but wasn't good enough. And quite frankly, quite frankly, Russell Westbrook wasn't good enough. And Paul George the same. So let's go to the Blazers game. You get Kawhi Leonard back. All the stuff I said coming in. Ty Lue was sick. Dan Craig took over for him. And I want to make a point, by the way, to a comment like this one. Dan Craig did nothing. He had the same rotations as Ty. He, the only difference was Eric Gordon close tonight instead of senior, but we've seen Ty do that as well. The exact same substitution pattern, the exact same sets. It's not, and that's not Dan Craig's thing. If he was the head coach, maybe you'd see something different. But the thing is, people need to understand this, especially those Steph Curry stands that still praise Luke Walton and Mike Brown for taking interim duties over Steve Kerr and having a good record. I'm going to explain this. I had a, I coached a team, and there's no difference, I swear to God, in, the, in a rec league. Five years ago, six years ago, I should say, in a rec league, and I was gone a weekend. So I told the guys, my guy, assistant coaches, these are my substitution patterns. And they knew the system that I had instilled from the beginning of the season, what defense we were going to play, how our offense was spaced out, all that. We won the game running my stuff. They're out there. They're figureheads. They're getting instructions. So when people say... Luke Walton did this. Luke, maybe they have some flexibility with some play calling and sub-substitutions. But overall, they are running the system of the head coach. It was no different than Ty Lue. So I don't want to hear that nonsense. It's the head coach's team. It's the head coach's team. But anyway, let's get into the game tonight. Clippers needed to win. Kawhi Leonard is back um, alongside Paul George, of course. And... They came out with a solid tone, but not really defensively. I thought it was a good start because we were feeding Ivica Zubats. Credit Russell Westbrook for a couple of those. And he was finishing around the basket. I think he had eight points in the first. It was at least six. And Kawhi Leonard was also uber aggressive in the first quarter. Five for nine from the field. Knocking down the mid-range. Knocking down his three. 
And the thing we were giving up was the role for Nurkic. Yusuf Nurkic had like 10 plus points in the first quarter. We were making sure that we were hedging the screen with Dame. We had to come up because you cannot drop deep on Damian Lillard or Simons. They're going to come off that three. Uh, I'm sorry, come off that screen and just pull that shit. So you got to come up. And when we were doing that, you were allowing the roll. And two things need to happen. One, we need to put more pressure on the screen, on the ball handler getting over the screen. That's the point of attack. That the players today, in the first half especially, were doing a shitty job of. And we just got to accept that the Clippers are not a good defensive team at the point of attack. So when that means in today's NBA, you're not a good defensive team. They're bang average at best because their two best point of attack defenders aren't asked or don't take responsibility to guard those players for four quarters. Instead, they let Russell Westbrook guard Damian Lillard. Russell Westbrook, he played better defensively in the second half, but in the first half, he was dying on every screen. I mean, Russ is not a good defender anymore. I don't want to hear just because he has moments of good defense that he's a good defender. We've seen it for three years now. I'm sorry, two years now, this being the second season where he's been a poor defender. He was average in Washington. I watched it. Good in the second half of the season, and that's being generous. Solid in the second half of the season, and terrible before he, you know, had the quad injury fully rehealed. But that's okay. In my opinion, Russell Westbrook should not be tasked with guarding Damian Lillard. But the problem is you don't want to start Terrence Mann or Nico Batum. You're not going to put Marcus Morris on Damian Lillard, and you're not going to do Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And mind you, we're going to play a switch everything defense, but they're not a lot of... And funny enough, they actually did have Paul George and Kawhi and Senior guarding Damian Lillard more than I expected in the, in the beginning of these quarters, first and third. But overall, as a team, offensively, you are not going to have whoever Kawhi or Paul George is guarding set the screen for, for Dame. Because then they're going to switch on to Dame. So you don't want that. You'd rather have put Zubats in the pick and roll and have Russ and Zubats guarding it. So that's what they were doing a lot of. And Zub was stepping up, doing what he was told. But that rotation, those rotations that have been so much sharper in the last three games, those were not there. They were late. And Yusuf Nurkic was just walking into floaters. And mind you, if you don't get there and intercept the pass or make him like fumble or travel or really adjust when he catches the pass, if he catches the ball and then he's seeing you come... It's too late because you're not going to be as tall as him because you're he's the center rolling into the basket and our biggest guy has come out to guard the three ball with Dame. So whoever's rotating is either a forward or a guard. And that's an easy shot for Yusuf Nurkic if that rotation is not there in time. But you also want to put more pressure on the pass. That's why I'm saying that point of attack was weak. But the, but the Blazers were not hitting their three ball in the first quarter and the Clippers were. And we were up 30 to 15. I thought maybe it was going to be a route. thing about the Clippers is they have an amazing habit of taking their foot off the gas. And the subs came in as normal. Same nine-man rotation. No sign of Rocco, of course. First, it was Terrence Mann was the first guy off the bench, which I enjoyed. And then you had Eric come in, Mason come in, and Nico alongside Kawhi Leonard to end that first quarter. And Kawhi was solid. But the Blazers finished on a 7-0 run in the last 70 seconds of the first quarter. So, again, closing quarters is big for any team. Can't let your foot off the gas. They also start, like, Nasir Little made, like, a long jump shot, his only shot of the game. So, Blazers went nine deep with Drew Eubanks, Trent Watt. Is his name Trenton Watford? Yeah, Trenton Trendon Watford. Nasir Little and Shadon Sharp. Like, this is not a good bench. Like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, how do we expect much from that? Although... Um, Cam Reddish comes off the bench when Jeremy Grant plays, but still that's not a good bench. But anyway, second quarter, the Clippers kind of just forgot how to play basketball. They got outscored 20. They were up six after one, 36 to 30. Mind you, I just said they were up 30 to 15, but only up six after one. Second quarter, you get outscored by two. You only have a 59 to 55 lead at the half, but you only scored 23 points in the second against this team. And mind you, we were getting good looks. But Nico Batum, again, not a good shooting night, was one for three from deep. But mainly, Paul George was one for eight from the field to start the game, missing mid-ranges, missing his long jumper, missing shots around the rim, just not hitting. And also, Russell Westbrook, Four turnovers in the first half. Some of them were just routine passes for him. Like there was this one law pass where he usually nails that pass over the top when somebody was fronting PG and it hit the rim. Looked like a bad shot attempt. He was making terrible passes. He wasn't a threat to score. He was missing around the rim. And listen, when teams play drop coverage and basically leave him, inviting him to either, either you're going to 
throw the ball away or you're going to try to go into traffic to shoot this contested layup with bodies at the rim. They're inviting him to take that mid-range. He has to take, when he's at the elbow or that, you know, he has no floater. When he's at the elbow or inside the key, he needs to take that little shot. At least that leaner he shoots going to his left, he needs to make those shots to keep the defense honest. You know, and I'm talking about when teams go over the screen. When teams go over the screen and are still giving you a mid-range or a floater or a runner, man, if he just had a floater off one leg, it would be an easy counter, but he's never really had a one-legged floater. He's got to make teams pay. I did not like that stretch from PG or Russ, but PG started heating up towards the end of the second quarter. Kawhi Leonard only shot one time in the second, and we, we did not feed Zoo anymore. That's the one thing that really pisses me the fuck off, is if it's a Zubats is out here bailing your asses out on defense, he's starting the game efficiently. It's the same thing that I say about the Suns with Aiton at times. They feed him in the first quarter, then they go away from him because I don't know what it is. Modern basketball, they're allergic to throwing the ball in the post, and secondly... Because, I don't know, these perimeter guys just favor their matchups. But also the coaches, it's on the coaches as well to draw up some plays for him. To make it a point of emphasis for the players to feed him the ball. It's an, he's an afterthought. And I just think it's like, he does all the dirty work. He shoots efficiently in certain match, most nights honestly, in the, lo, in the low post. When he catches it like around the restricted area or on the block, yeah, sure, he'll miss a chippy or two. But overall, his percentage is good. And getting the ball in the paint is never a bad thing in basketball. I don't give a shit what anyone says. Although I don't think I'll get any pushback on that. So feeding Zubots needs to be more of a point of emphasis. But I've been saying that for three fucking years. It's not going to happen probably. Although he's earned that right. So when we go away from him when he's got six or eight points in the first quarter, I just can't stand it. But third quarter... We came out right, and I'll tell you who turned this game around. Mr. 13. And, you know, there's so many stars in the NBA that when they just put a little bit more of an effort on the defensive end, everything changes for not just them but their team. And Paul George was example, a prime example in this one. He did not play the defense in that last game that he was playing in that winning streak. And he continued that in the first half. But in the second half, sharper on the rotations, not letting Yusuf Nurkic just walk into layups, getting some steals, guarding Damian Lillard at the point of attack more. I mean, just the effort level changed, and he also started scoring. And listen to this stat. You're going to love this, Clipper Nation. PG, all but one of his field goals made came in the paint during the second half. So only one shot made outside the paint in the second half. He was aggressive. He was getting to the rim. He was finishing through contact. I absolutely loved it. Paul George flipped this game around, and it's just so frustrating because he can be like that all the time. He can catch the ball at the elbow way more. And I'll say this too. I said on Locked On Clippers yesterday that we need to limit his pick and roll touches, but in this, I, but I did also say you got to let him do a couple and see what's if it's working. If he's losing the ball, getting blitzed and all that, no, no, he can go away from it. But he only had two turnovers in this game as opposed to the six he had yesterday. And he was getting through two guys thrown at him, throwing to Bonavace and Plumlee or Zoo four on three. We were getting great stuff. So Paul George, when he's drawing two defenders and making good passes, being a lot more careful with the ball, it's great stuff. We can run a little bit more of those pick and rolls. And in the second half, I also have to say Russ made some good passes as well. But overall, I thought we played better basketball in this one with Russ off the floor. However, I can't say that he didn't still make some nice passes. And any, if there's anyone that actually feeds Zoo, it's Russ. And that's one thing I love about him. Nine assists in this game for him. Actually, no more. Ten assists in this game for him. He didn't turn the ball over in the second half. So I love that. And part of it's because he got his minutes a little more limited. But he still played 34 in the game. He still closed. And so for him not to turn the ball over in the second half was big time. So I applaud him there. 10 assists, 4 turnovers. Also, 12 rebounds, which was a game high for any player. So I got to commend him there. And a couple of them were offense. Actually, no. Let me look. Four of them were offensive rebounds. You know, he has incredible anticipation on long misses. He's always had it. And so I got to commend him for that. So he wasn't all bad. I still think he contributed in the win. But I still think he wasn't very good tonight. And Eric Gordon... When he came into the game alongside Terrence Mann at the 435 mark of the third quarter, game flipped. We were only up by four, 76-72, and Kawhi Leonard, who was only two for seven in the third, both buckets were in the paint. One was around the rim, and the other was a little right inside the elbow mid-range, but his shot was a little bit short in that third quarter. 
I thought his legs were kind of going, but he still made some great plays. Coming off screens, he obviously attracts two defenders, and they weren't giving they didn't want the lob to be given up. So they were leaving shooters open, mainly Terrence Mann. Feeding it to Terrence Mann. Terrence had a couple of extra passes to Eric Gordon. And EJ for three. Bingo. Three times in the third quarter. He totally turned this game around. And here's the craziest part. He stayed in for the rest of the game, basically. From the 435 mark of the third quarter till the end of the game. If 35-year-old EJ is playing like 15, 16 straight minutes of basketball, then that makes me think that these guys are still in good enough shape to do that and that Terrence Mann should be doing that in other games and not Marcus Morris Sr. so much. But hey, what can you say? At least we won the game. Eric Gordon in the second half, 5 for 6 from the field, 3 for 4 from deep. He was getting to the basket, attacking closeouts, playing solid defense. He turned this game around. But Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, second half had better defense, especially Paul George. And they kind of just ran away with it. They just showed their quality in the end, their depth. I thought Mason Plumley also didn't have a bad game. Much better game than yesterday. Seven points, five rebounds. Three for six from the field. Was finishing well around the basket. Had some decent defensive moments against his former team. Terrence Mann, only 16 minutes, but of course, always love what he does. Four points, four assists, making the extra pass. Got to the line and made two free throws. He was only one for three, though. Same with Nico Batum. But yeah, Eric Gordon, 20 points off the bench in this one. Seven for nine from the field, four for five from deep in 28 minutes. He was just outstanding. The Clippers outscored the Blazers 58 to 47 in the second half. That includes 34 to 28 in the third quarter and 24 to 19 in the fourth. So the Clippers only gave one quarter in this game. And I this one thing I love, 19 points in the fourth. So we locked down. We made it an effort that anyone but Dame is going to beat us. And Russell Westbrook and Paul George, even Russ, tightened up the defense on the ball on Dame in that second half. We did a good job of stepping up on the screens, making him pass the ball, and forcing their shooters to make shots. And they don't really got that many shooters. They were only... 21% from three, six for 29. Clippers, 12 for 28, 43% from three, 46% from the field. But when you shoot 43% from three and only turn the ball over nine times, which is less than the other team, good chances of you winning. And the Clippers bounce back, even though Kawhi Leonard barely shot in the third, in the second half, really. Actually, no, he still shot 10 shots and got going a little bit more in that fourth quarter. To win it, 117 to 102. They've now won five consecutive games with Kawhi Leonard, 38 and 34 on the season with just 10 games left. They're over 500 away from home, 19 and 18 on the road, which I'm not sure if that's still the best road record in the West. I'd have to check, but it's one of the best road records in the West. And the Portland Trailblazers are 31 and 40 and now look like they are definitely going to miss out on the play in. And it's going to be a disappointing season, which the question looms yet again. What does Damian Lillard's future hold? Let's read the lines for this one. Portland, off the bench, you know, I, I did criticize their bench, but they had some decent contributions in this one. Nasir Little shot the least amount of shots of all their bench players. Only four of them made only one. That one at the end of the first quarter had four points on one for four shooting and was 0 for three from deep. Trenton Watford, Trenton Watford, had 12 points and three rebounds on five for nine shooting off the bench, so he was able to get in double-figure points off the bench. Drew Eubanks was not bad, actually. 10 points, eight rebounds, and three assists, and was a plus six on five for eight shooting. Even had a nice lefty jump hook over Zubats. It was beautiful. Um, so credit to Drew Eubanks there. And then Shadon Sharp, exciting player, 10 points, three steals on four for six shooting and two for four from three. He was actually the only guy besides Yusuf Nurkic who shot well from deep in this game for Portland. So 24 minutes of play for him. Then the starters, Matisse Tybel, six points on three for seven shooting, 0 for three from deep. Not much there in 23 minutes of play. Cam Reddish had a donut in 19 minutes as a starter. He was the only player for the Blazers in the rotation tonight or only player that played any minutes that did not score a point. And then the four or the three guys in double figures, Anthony Simons was kept in check in this one. He wasn't hitting, he wasn't hitting his three ball, but he's just sometimes can be a hot and cold kind of night. Uh, Anthony Simons with 16 points on six for 15 shooting and one for seven from deep. 
Damian Lillard. Well, actually, I'm going to Nurkic first. He was their best player in this one. 23 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists to go along with 2 blocks. 23, 11, and 5. That's, and 2 blocks is really good. 9 for 14 from the field for him. 2 for 3 from deep. Which That was the impressive part that he was making his 3. But only 4 free throw attempts. He made 3 of them. And then Damian Lillard. I think he, they said tonight that he has his lowest points per game of any team against the Clippers. And... 21 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists for Dame on 4 for 17 shooting, 1 for 8 from 3, 12 for 13 from the line. Just an off night for Dame. He's a great player. He's going to miss shots. But the scheme, the defensive effort of Clipper players definitely made a difference. And, I mean, we'll take that. 4 for 17 from Dame? Locking his ass up. And now let's read the Clipper stat lines. Terrence Mann, 4 points, 4 assists on 1 for 3 shooting in 16 minutes. Mason Plumlee, 7 points, 5 rebounds in 14 minutes on 3 for 6 shooting. Nico Batum, just 3 points in 16 minutes on 1 for 3 shooting and one for all the shots were 3s. EJ, already said 20 points on 7 for 9 shooting and 4 for 5 from deep. Marcus Morris Sr., 7 points, 4 rebounds. I mean, again, there was a sequence where he airballed and then got blown by with ease on this next possession. I mean, there is no, absolutely zero defense for Marcus Morris starting anymore. But because Ty Lue is so cool with him and he couldn't accept going to the bench, we have an issue that in the playoffs, we'll see if it comes back to bite us. But it's just so blatantly obvious we're putting him in positions to fail and... It's just not good. I don't care what anyone says, what his fucking plus minus is. When you, Hey, listen, I'd play okay. I'd have a decent plus minus playing next to Kawhi and Paul George too. I mean, come on, man. And Zubats. Let's, like, give me a break, bro. And it's, I, I just feel bad for Senior. I mean, you can't guard. And by the way, to all the people commenting, I will see your comments. So stick around. I will see it. Just trying to get through all this and not be distracted for the people listening in the morning or whatever time you li- you're, you're listening. If it's a Zubat, was just awesome. But when you score six points or eight points in the first quarter and you only score eight points for the rest of the game, I just I think it's the teammates just insanely ridiculous. And you got to feed the fucking big fella. 14 points and 10 rebounds for Big Zoo. He also had two assists, seven for 11 from the field. Only got to the line twice and missed both free throws. If you get to the line more, if you give him the ball more. Russell Westbrook, nine points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, Four turnovers, no, none of them in the second half, plus 13. Three for 12 for the field, so just a 25% shooting net, which is god-awful. He took one bad three and he missed it, but he also made one three. So one for two from three. I like how he only shot two. Only two free throw attempts. Probably there were a couple times where he got blocked at the rim where he may have gotten fouled. So made both free throws that he took. Kawhi Leonard, 24 points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, zero turnovers. So I love that. And that's one thing I love about Kawhi. He doesn't really lose the ball ever, and he doesn't turn the ball over too much. 50% shooting night for him, 10 for 20. So amazingly efficient, even though it didn't feel that way because he was two for seven from three. So finally, a bad shooting night from three. Only two free throw attempts, made them both, but played 40 minutes. But he did rest yesterday, so hey, I guess it's okay. Paul George, for me, though, the player of the game because he turned the game when he turned up to his defensive pressure, his defensive energy, and stopped bullshitting, got to the rim, got to the foul line, got to the elbow. You know, even though Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can't get to the rim like they used to, they still, when they do and they try it, it changes everything for this team. 29 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, and 4 steals to go along with a block and only 2 turnovers for Paul George. Yes, he shot 8 for 22 overall. But I didn't split the first and second half. You probably look a lot better and prove my point. Three for six from three, though. So a really good shooting night from him from deep. And a game high. Actually, not a game high. A team high. 12 free throw attempts. Made 10 of them. Clippers win it 117 to 102. Now I'm going to talk about the Lakers briefly. But I, honestly, I'm going to check uh, the comments real quick. Real, real quick. All right, so I see a bunch of people in here. Uh, shout out to all my Clipper fans in the live. Whipsy, Wispy Arsonist says, great bounce back win by the Clips. Zachary Darrington, shout out to my man Zachary. He was at the game tonight in Portland. He lives out there supporting the Clippers. Says, we could easily be 16-3 and in our last 19 games. So frustrating, shaking my head. Wet like on book, says Philly in the finals, calling it now. Um, oh, interesting. Even with Glenn Rivers, Plumber Jim. Mini Trey says Russell Goatbrook. 
And Zachary Darrington agrees with me, saying early start is a fucking lame excuse. Mini Trey says Russ and PG sending Trailblazers to rebuild mode. How the tables turn? Like, well, we don't know that. That's all dependent on if Damian Litter requests a trade. Um, Sinan McKenna says I'd bet a hundred with anyone. Philly can't get past the Bucks. Yeah, I'd, I'd take that bet as well, unless Giannis gets hurt. Zachary Darrington also says Brian Seaman is amazing. I could tell he was frustrated in the Sacramento game and the Magic uh, game. Hepatitis see you later says after the Mavs game, I had to take a break from watching Lakers ball today. Still pissed off about it. So that gets me into that. Thank you for giving me a segue. Um, but the Lakers, I didn't actually watch this game. It was a Friday night. You know, it was my friends going out, you know, doing young people things. But the Lakers lost on a game winner the same way they lost on a game winner to Andrew Nemhard and the Indiana Pacers earlier this season. Maxi Kleba on a beautiful Cross-court swing by Kyrie Irving. Knocked down a left-wing three, and I got to give Maxi credit. He shot that shit quick. And the quick release splashed it down at the horn. Anthony Davis, the biggest cause of the loss, missing crucial free throws. We saw that in a loss just recently. I forget which game, but you cannot be missing free throws as the man. You got to get wins like that. D'Lo also, I'm pretty sure, went quiet in the fourth. And it, and it was also Anthony Davis in, on the last play defensively that fell asleep. You know, I think the game plan was to leave Theo Pinson and throw two guys at Kyrie. And even if it wasn't, that's not a horrible idea. But Anthony Davis sunk for no reason. Jared Vanderbilt had taken Theo Pinson at the basket. If Kyrie Irving passed it across the court to the opposite corner and they made the three... I mean, man, then, okay, they make the three. But that pass would have taken longer to get across, and there was not that much time left. So who knows if he would have even gotten it off. AD fell asleep. He's so used to helping at the rim, he left a three-point shooter. Big mistake. Big loss. Another heartbreaker for the Lakers. And that made the Orlando Magic game that much more important. I don't know why Laker fans all over Twitter were saying that they were their season was over after they lost to Dallas. Like, they weren't going to make the plan. Like, relax, guys. Like, you're still in there. Hepatitis see you later comments. I always hear from Clipper fans that Covington doesn't get minutes. Why is that the case? Did he cuss out Tyloo in practice? Listen, you, you've you been here, Hepatitis see you later. You listen to my episodes. You can also listen to Locked On Clippers where you beat a dead horse about that. But Tyloo favors offense. That's what, And he has a personal relationship with Senior. He has seniority. No pun intended. So he doesn't lean with uh, Rocco. Zachary Darrington says, sorry, Dime. I just hate Tyloo and Morris. Okay, really? I mean... Let's not have short-term memory, guys. You can not want them right now. You want them off the team, but hate them. These are the guys that helped us get to our first ever conference finals appearance in history, and we're a big parts of it. Mark Blue says, Kawhi did start taking bad shots in the second and so on, but I think Russ got him out of it. Rhythm. Interesting take. Don't know if I agree. By the way, Laker fans, I am going to get to the Magic game. I didn't watch it in depth because obviously I was watching the Clipper game, but I am going to make some comments on it after we get through a couple more comments. Sinner McKenna says, how likely do you think it is that Morris has gone in the offseason? I think it's pretty likely because I think the front office gets it, but the coaching staff doesn't. Zachary Darrington says, Eubanks isn't a bad backup center. I agree with that. I guess so. I got to watch more games, though. Just one game. And I've watched him play enough. But until you watch guys consistently, I don't know if I can agree. Because I feel like he's never had a really relevant role on an actual team that had a chance of making it out the first round. Hepatitis C later also says that Blazers game where they hit like 400 threes versus the Lakers was like a fever dream. Even Matisse Tybalt was on fire. Damn, was that recently? That was around the Super Bowl? Right? When they traded Josh Hart? Hudson Main 87 says Sham re- Sam's reported 20 minutes ago that Lakers are working out Tristan Thompson and Tony Bradley this week. I guess they don't like Wenyan Gabriel. I'm actually going to talk about Wenyan Gabriel. Zachary Darrington says Zubats played like shit Saturday and you can't even argue that. No, he didn't. He was the only person in the first half that was actually doing anything besides Rocco. He had a double-double and Russ did. I don't understand. Why do you, I, where are you getting that? Just because Wendell Carter hit a bunch of pick-and-pop threes? That's not his, that's not his fault. It's not the scheme. Robert Paulson says Zubats should look like Holmgren because the Clippers starved that man. That's a good one. Zachary Darrington says Clippers are 6-0 this season when I'm in attendance. Really? If so, keep coming to games. <laughs> Tavencio says, at this point, I think Morris Sr. gives Ty Luce sexual favors. My God. Zachary Darrington also says Nurkic made some lucky-ass threes. I feel you on that. YouTube account says, love your vibes when Clips win. Does this change your view on Russ and on the team as a whole? Fuck no. We're four games over 500. 
Jack Carpenter. Hey, my guy. Wow. For anybody listening, I mean, there was nobody I played better basketball with in elementary school than the great Jack Carpenter. Um, except that he would take all the shots and I would give him all the, give him the ball and get him to pad his fucking stats. But um, he says, I saw the highlight reel. You still got it, bro. Come on, man. You acting like I'm 50 years old. I better still have it. I'm in my athletic prime right now. I haven't had any major injuries. What league is that? So actually, I don't even play in a league. Um, Asher and Lucas, um, that, yes, the Asher and Lucas that come on Dime Dropper fairly frequently, um, and the one that you know from elementary school, invited me because they, they didn't have a guy or they were sh- short on numbers. So they asked me to come play with them. It was great to get back on the court, man. But no, I'm not part of the team like permanently. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to disclose what league or what location on the, on the live broadcast because there's really weird people out there. But you got my number. You got my Instagram or whatever. You can ask me. I'll answer. Heisey says, Clippers need better defense. And I appreciate you for ch- tuning in, my boy. Heisey says, our offense isn't the problem. It's the defense. We can't get any fucking stops. I agree with that. Anyway, let's get to the Lakers. Lakers against the Orlando Magic, obviously. I want to say, by the way, a shout-out to Markel Fultz. We don't talk about the Magic much on this podcast, and we're not going to be talk about, talking about the Magic in the playoffs. But he's having the best season of his career, a guy that struggled with injuries, a guy that we questioned if he was going to ever play basketball. We, we questioned if he loved basketball. And right now, he's in a better spot than Ben Simmons is. It's insane. It's insane, man. But credit to him. And obviously, you know, everybody knows how I feel about Paolo Bancaro. I think he should be Rookie of the Year. Franz Wagner is a really good player. Wendell Carter played the best game I've ever seen him play yesterday against us. So he's looking like he's getting a little bit better. And they also have Gary Harris, but it's funny. I mean, Cole Anthony will be – I see Cole Anthony as being a sixth man, just gunner off the bench that scores and just plays hard. But it's going to be nice to see if they can get another good lottery pick this year. Paolo Bancaro is going to be a, a star – probably a superstar. Franz Wagner is going to be good. So to build off those two guys, see what happens. But came in the Staples Center tonight on their back-to-back. They split it, beating us and losing the Lakers, my least favorite result. And it was a a pretty close game in the beginning, 28-25. Lakers led after three. Remember, no LeBron James still. So Lakers going with D'Lo, Malik Beasley, Troy Brown, Anthony Davis, and Jared Vanderbilt. And Malik Beasley, I mean, he had that game against New Orleans. But overall, he's been in a slump. Lately, one for seven from the field, one for five from three, not playing defense. He got the turner, the corner, the turner, the corner turned on him by, I forget that guy's name, um, Harris, for his only basket. He was one for five, but the one basket he made was he turned the corner on Malik Beasley. He was like picking him up beyond half court and he dunked it. And Beasley also missed a floater. Like he was just broke. So, guys that when they don't contribute when they're not hitting shots, they have a ceiling in the playoffs. We've got to start looking for that for Beasley. Even though he had a pretty good playoffs, from my memory, last year with the, with the Wolves. But Lakers in the second quarter were good. They created some separation. They were up 59-49 to 49 at the half. Dennis Schroeder made two threes in the corner back-to-back in that first half. And he's been actually shooting the three ball pretty well lately. And Dennis... And he played 24 minutes in this one, so not overkill. 12 points, 3 rebounds, and 5 assists. 3 for 9 shooting, but 3 for 6 from deep. So a rare game where all his misses were 2s. He was 50% from 3, and he was plus 22. So Dennis, really solid contributions in this one. The Laker bench, in terms of the plus-minus, was really good. Wenyan, Gabriel, Dennis Schroeder, and Austin Reeves in particular. But... The third quarter, the Magic got back in the game. They outscored the Lakers 32-25. to And Paolo Bencaro was doing a little bit of that. But Franz Wagner, to me, was the standout. You know, he had 21 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, doing a little bit of everything, 2 steals and only 1 turnover. He's really good in the pick and roll. Strong, great size, can finish around the basket. Uh, he was 0 for 8 from 3. <laughs> 0 for 8. 10 for 23 overall. So 10 for 15 from 2. Really solid game inside the arc. Just a solid game overall, but shooting the, shooting the ball well inside the arc. And they got back in it. And in the fourth quarter, again, the Lakers playing with their food. You know, letting them back in the game. Anthony Davis shot only 15 times in this game, which, yes, was a team high. But in a game where LeBron's not playing, he's got to be getting 20 shots minimum. I'm sorry. That's just not enough. And it's both. It's both Darvin Ham drawing a plays for him, but mainly he needs to just get the ball and go to work more. Demand the ball. Constantly setting screens like he's a role-playing center or a role-playing big. Come on, go get the fucking ball. You know? It's not just your defense. You got to – and on the and your rebounding. You got to be the man. 
offensively. These games are too close. And it wasn't even Anthony Davis that closed this game out. The Magic tied it up. Markel Fultz was getting going. Paolo Bancaro made a mid-range at the foul line. Cole Anthony made a three. Cole Anthony, another good game off the bench. He showed out in L.A. And he also played great against us last year. Um, and when I say us, I mean the Clippers in this sense, even though I'm talking about the Laker game right now. But he played great against us. If you check out the vlog, he made that game-tying three before Reggie Jackson made the game winner. But 17 points for him. He didn't shoot efficiently, though. But he did have a positive contribution in the game for me. At least from my perspective, a Magic fan, I don't think I have any Magic fans, but you could agree or disagree. 17 points for him, five rebounds and three assists off the bench. He was the third leading scorer beside, behind uh, Franz Wagner and Paolo Bencaro. He shot 33% from the field, though, only five for 15, but three for eight from deep and a big one to tie the game. But Austin Reeves. I think it was nine consecutive points he scored. He even got MVP chance from the Staples Center crowd. And he has just been fantastic. You're seeing how much more comfortable he's getting in pick and roll. He plays hard. He's one of their better defenders. He shoots the ball well. He's starting to get really good in the in-between game. His floater, his mid-range is coming a long way. It was a mid-range pull-up coming off a screen with a defense and drop coverage that gave the Lakers the lead. And I have, I have to say, that shot, that uh, three three-shot foul, he got fouled on the three ball, was a total bailout. That was a horrible possession down the stretch for the Lakers. And, you know, credit, I have to say, Austin Reeves gets a really good whistle. I mean, that's obviously a skill. He does a good job of getting it. But, man, interesting that he gets such a good whistle. Um, but he was the man tonight for the Lakers. He closed the game single-handedly, single-handedly. And AR-15, he's really maturing as a player. You know, he gets a lot of comparisons to Alex Caruso because he's a white guy with bounce. <laughs> but other than that, they're pretty different players. I think Austin Reeves is much better offensively. He's showing so much improvement in the pick and roll. He's good from three. He's, as I said, athletic, so he can finish the rim decently well. But his in-between game is what's impressing me the last couple of weeks. Floater, mid-range. Remember, can't neglect the in-between game, man. I'm seeing games in college and in the league where these players are just passing up mid-ranges and floaters to get blocked at the rim or kick it out to, for a contested three. I mean, don't neglect a part of the floor. Austin Reeves is doing a good job showing what not to do. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, showing what to do. But he's been awesome. And then Caruso, I mean, he's a better defender. I mean, Reeves is a good defender, but Caruso is like a, one of the best in the league. Hustle guy, great at taking charges, good on ball, really strong. Different players. I think Austin Reeves' ceiling is higher, though. Um, so as far as the white guys for the Lakers. Um, let's read the lines. Lakers win at 111-105. A huge win. I'm going to be checking the standings after uh, I read the lines. They move on at 35-37, and 37, just two games under 500. They have a better home record, though, than the Clippers do, 19-17 and 17 at home. And, I mean, probably because they have more sellouts. But Lakers went nine-man deep, nine-deep. Rui Hachimura, Wenyan Gabriel, Dennis Schroeder, Austin Reeves. Uh, Wenyan Gabriel, good defense at the end on Paolo Bancaro. He also got a technical foul there because he got angry because Wenyan got away with a foul when the Lakers were up four. But a solid performance by him. You know he's going to try. Uh, six points, eight rebounds for Gabriel in two, in 20 minutes on two for three shooting. Rui Hachimura had a quieter game, didn't play as much, 19 minutes. But when he was in, eight points, five boards on four for nine shooting. Troy Brown Jr. played 29 minutes, was efficient, 12 points, five rebounds. So anytime the Lakers can get Troy Brown in double figures, that's good. He's always going to play decent defense. Um, he was 50% from deep. All his shots were threes. Four for eight, so really good there. Lakers were 13 for 32 from deep. 40%, 40.6%. So he rounds up to 41. So you'll take that for a team that's not good at shooting threes all day long. Magic, 10 for 38, only 26% from three. And the Lakers held the Magic to only 40% shooting from the field. So good enough on defense. It was the offense to me that was getting a little questionable for the Lakers at times. Jared Vanderbilt, only 23 minutes, played less than Dennis, played less than Austin Reeves, played less than Malik Beasley, which is questionable, played less than D'Lo, played less than Troy Brown. Two points, 10 rebounds, four turnovers. And the Lakers turned the ball over 15 times. And that's part of why they kept them because the Magic only turned the ball over eight times. So that's part of why they kept them in the game. But two points, 10 rebounds, four turnovers, only shot one time and made it. A sellout tonight for the Lakers, by the way. And then D'Lo and AD. D'Lo, 18 points and six assists on six for 12 shooting and four for eight from deep. So very efficient. Only turned the ball over once. So a solid game for D'Lo from what I saw. But I didn't pay attention to his defense as much. 
And then AD, 15 points, 11 boards, so a double-double, four blocks and two steals, so awesome defensively, but five turnovers and six for 15 from the field is not good enough. 40%. At least he didn't shoot any threes. Three for six from the line, so he's really struggling from the foul line of late. He's got to figure that out. And then Austin Reeves, the man of the hour, a career high, 35 points, six rebounds, six assists, three turnovers, two to one assist to turnover ratio, nine for 14 from the field, one for four from three. So not a great night from deep, but 16 for 18 from the line. Austin Reeves shot more free throws than the entire Magic team. The Lakers were 26 for 32 from the line. Magic 13 for 17. The Magic dropped to 29 and 43. They're playing for ping pong at this point. Ping pong balls. Lakers with a huge win. Austin Reeves, what a performance. 18 free throw attempts and making 16 big time. And now we look at the at the standings, starting with the East. By the way, because of the play-in, this is the longest I've seen uh, before teams clinch playoff berth, like ever. But even more so than the last couple of years where we had the play-in. So the Pistons and the Hornets are the only teams that can't make the play-in. The Magic, Wizards, and Pacers are technically still in play. The... Magic are six games in the lost column behind the 10-seeded Bulls. So they're not really in the race. The Pacers and the Ma- and the Wizards are. They're only two games in the lost column behind the 10-seeded Bulls. They have the exact same record, 32 and 39. I didn't have either of them making the play-in before the season started. I had the Wizards in 11th, and I think they'll finish there. You know what's funny is if Tyrese Halliburton didn't get that injury, the Pacers might still be in the play-in. But they were terrible without him, as I expected, and called on the podcast. Um... But they're only one and a half games behind the Bulls. The Chicago Bulls are 33 and 37. The Raptors are 35 and 37. I had both those teams in the play-in. I had the Bulls at nine and the Raptors at eight before the season because the Knicks overachieved. That's what I didn't expect. And the Bulls have been about what I expected. Raptors underachieving for sure. Went out and got Jakob Pearl. That's really helped them. Hawks have really underachieved. They should have been better than the Knicks. They're a game under 500 at 35 and 36. I had them at seventh place. They're an eighth. Just such a disaster. Even with Quinn Snyder, you know, John Collins just had a really bad year shooting the ball. I heard DeAndre Hunter hasn't made any strides. And then, I mean, I don't watch their games enough. I saw them in the beginning of the season when they were like 11 and five. But then after the World Cup, I haven't even caught a full game. But I'll be catching them soon. And we'll see them in the plane. We'll see what they're about. And I'll hopefully get my boy Alex from Hawks Fan TV on here to come make excuses for the Hawks. So we'll see about that. But and sorry, by the way, for the Spotify people, it's a longer podcast, but I don't do as many podcasts these days for Dime Dropper with my Locked On commitments and my vlogs. So you can enjoy it while you can. And if you're only here for the Lakers, I timestamp that for you. Here for the Clippers, timestamp that for you. And if you're here for both, hey, why not? But the race between 8, 9, and 10 with Atlanta, Toronto, and Chicago is all pretty close. And then Indiana and the Wizards, two games behind the Bulls in the lost column. The Heat have a little bit of an advantage because they're the only team. They're the first team, you know, of those that are, if you're going from bottom to top, that's over 500. So the first seven, the top seven in the East are all over 500. The rest are under right now. The Heat are 39 and 34. They're a game and a half behind the Brooklyn Nets who are clinging on to that sixth spot. Um, They've lost three straight games. But Mikhail Bridges has been playing insane since he got traded. New York, I think they'll finish fifth. By the end of the season, they've been one of the surprises of the season. Jalen Brunson's just been amazing. He's put himself in all-star conversations and should have been an all-star. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They were, they've been amazing since they got Josh Hart. Won three in a row. They're 42-30. and 30. Cavaliers are 45-28. and 28. They'll be getting home court advantage for the first time in my life without LeBron James. Making the playoffs for the first time in my life without LeBron. Then the top three are sealed. The Bucks and the Celtics have clinched playoff berth. Uh, but it's the Sixers who stand in second right now, which is weird that they haven't clinched playoff berth. Milwaukee is two games, two and a half games at the top of the Eastern Conference over both Philly and Boston. So as it stands, we're probably getting another rematch between Boston and Philly that I cannot wait for. But I can because got some good games to be played. And then the West, the only two teams out of the picture are the Spurs and the Rockets. The Blazers are now three games behind the Lakers in the lost column, three and a half games back on them overall. As I said, I think they're done. The Pelicans are just a half game. Just one. If they win their next game, they'll have the exact same record as the Lakers for 10th. The Jazz are also two games below 500, but they're 34 and 36. Lakers are 35 and 37. I don't think the Jazz will make it. And if I were them, I, like, I, would, I wouldn't tell a team to tank, especially with the year that Lowry Markinen has had. But I think for them, it's better to get more ping pong balls. 
Lakers are clinging on to that 10th spot, but they also have the same record as the 9 seeded Wolves. And if the Clippers beat the Thunder on Tuesday, and I won't be at that game, but I'll be there Thursday. If the Clippers beat the, thun- or the Thunder, the Thunder will have the same record at 35 and 37 as the Wolves and the Lakers. So it's really tight from 12 all the way to 7. The Warriors are 36 and 36. So they are 500 with 10 games left. No sign of Andrew Wiggins. And I really hope things are going well. Too many people are trying to interfere with that conversation. It's a family matter. There's no need for us to know. We know that he can't play right now, and he wants to. That's all that matters. And especially after the way he played last year, I mean, he deserves that. 29-7 and seven at home, 7-29 and 29 on the road. They uh, easily could get into that sixth spot. The Mavericks have the same amount of wins and just one less loss. So if the Mavericks lose their next game, they're going to have the same record as the Warriors at the seventh spot. Thankfully, the Clippers are now gaining some ground. We're now two games firmly ahead of the Warriors with the same amount of games played and only half a game back in the Suns because thankfully the Thunder beat the Suns. So that loss yesterday is mitigated by this. But if you think about it this way, have the Clippers not lost to the Magic they would be ahead of the Suns right now. So it's tough. And as for the two and the three, the Kings and the Grizzlies have the exact same record at 43 and 27. There's no way the Clippers are catching them. So no top three seed, no chip. I said that from before the season. I still believe that. But the Clippers beat Denver, things can change. And if Denver gets beaten by like the Lakers or the Warriors, then definitely things change. But I don't see that happening. I think the Nuggets will still beat the Warriors or the Lakers this year. It would just be a tough series. And I don't see us beating the Nuggets. Um, so that top three seed thing is going to be my, my thing. I've stuck with it all season. I'm going to stick with it now. But I also want to retract something I said when the Clippers were 0-5 when they got Russ. I said that if we don't make it past the second round, get rid of everybody, Kawhi included, but I take that back. We shouldn't get rid of Kawhi because he's just too good. Unless he plays like shit in the playoffs. If he plays like shit in the playoffs, which I highly doubt, then we can consider getting rid of him because he misses games and he underperformed. But I don't think he will because he's really good. There are not that many players better than him, and there are not going to be that many players better than him next year either. And considering he's been pretty healthy, knock on wood, since he came back in December, because he's rehabbing a torn ACL. So I have no reason to believe that maybe he can't get 60 games played next year because that was a setback early in the season. But anyway, that's it for me tonight, guys. Thank you for for joining me. Obviously, the Nuggets are first and firmly in control of that, even though they've been slipping of late. I think they're just getting bored, getting ready for the playoffs. But that's it for me tonight, guys. Make sure to comment on this video and make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify you like. Now we're going to go to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime.